Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles. The Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles chapter number 28. 2 Chronicles chapter number 28. We're continuing with our series of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And as we're traveling through, we now come into another king of Jerusalem by the name of Ahaz. Now, previous to this, we have had three generations of kings who have somewhat did what was right in God's eyes. You had Joash who did what was right in God's eyes as long as he had... uh, his Jehodiah, his mentor, uh, guiding him. Then you had Uzziah. Uzziah was just a wonderful king for the most part who did what was right. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. And then we saw Jotham. Jotham was uh, right with God because he prepared his ways before God. That he made a certain decision uh, before it happened that he was going to follow after God. And it served him for the, all of his entire reign. Now we come into a son. After three generations of good kings. We have an expectation that Ahaz. That Ahaz is going to follow suit. That Ahaz is going to follow the Lord. Let's read together in the book of 2 Chronicles 28. And let's see if he follows suit to do what is right in God's eyes. 2 Chronicles chapter 28 starting in verse 1. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But... He did not that which is right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images to Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Wherefore the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria and they smote him and carried him away a great multitude of them captives, brought them to Damascus. And he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who smote him with a great slaughter. For Pekah, the son of Remilu, slew in Judah a hundred and twenty thousand in one day, which were all valiant men, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. And Zechariah, mighty men of Ephraim, slew Mehesa, the king's son, and Isaacim, the governor of the house, and Elkanah that was next to the king. And the children of Israel carried away captive their brethren, 200,000 women, sons, and daughters, and took also away much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Obed. And he went out before the host that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold, 
Behold, because the Lord God of your fathers was wroth with Judah, he hath delivered them into your hand, and ye have slain them in a rage that reacheth up to heaven. And now ye purpose to keep under the children of Judah and Jerusalem for bondmen and bondwomen unto you, but are there not with you, even with you, sins against the Lord your God? Now hear me therefore, and deliver the captives again, which ye have taken captive of your brethren. For the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Then certain of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Jehonan, and Berechah the son of Mishilamoth, and Jehaziah the son of Shalom, and Amasa the son of Adela stood up against them that came from the war and said unto them, Ye shall not bring in the captives hither, for whereas ye have offended against the Lord already, ye intend to add more to our sins and to our trespasses, for our trespass is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes and all the congregation. And the men which were expressed by name rose up and took the captives that were with the spoil clothed with all that were naked among them, and arrayed them, and shod them, and gave them to eat and to drink, and anointed them, and carried all the feeble of them upon the asses, and brought them to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to the brethren. Then they returned to Samaria. And at the time did King Ahaz send to the kings of Assyria to help him. For against the Edomites had come and smitten Judah and carried away captives. The Philistines also had invaded the cities of the low country and of the south of Judah and had taken Beth Shemesh and Ajon and Gedroth and Shoko within the villages thereof and Timnah with the villages thereof and Gimzo also the villages thereof thereof and they dwelt there for the Lord had brought Judah low because Ahaz king of Israel for he had made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord and Tiglath-Pileser king of Assyria came unto him and distressed him but strengthened him not. For Ahaz took away a portion out of the house of the Lord, and out of the house of the king, and out of the princes, and gave it to, unto the king of Assyria. But he helped him not. And in the time of his distress, he did trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that king Ahaz. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, Because the gods of the kings of Syria help them, therefore I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces in the vessels of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, which he had made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every city, several city of Judah, he made a high place to burn incense unto other gods and provoke to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Now the rest of the acts of all of his ways, first and last. Behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Ahaz slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city, even in Jerusalem. But they brought him not into the sepulchres of the king of Israel. And Hezekiah his son reigned in his stead.
Now, as we learn more about Ahaz and do a character study on this king, Ahaz, he could be described in this setting with a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 28. The book of 2 Chronicles 28, and notice with me in verse number 21, we could see a phrase that as Ahaz looked for every possible way to get help, we could see it all summed up in one reply in verse number 21 at the end. But he helped him not. But he helped him not. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And I'm thankful that you're a God who's every, ever ready and merciful and plenty of grace to help us in our time of need. That our response is that we need to go to you, seek after you, find you, and you promise that help in time of need. Lord, help us to learn a lesson from the life of Ahaz. That as we study his life and we see as he tried to search for every other answer that did not include you. That no matter where he looked, he found that he helped him not. It didn't help him, it made things worse. And that we could be determined that we're going to stay looking upon you for our answers, for our hope, for everything in our life. Lord, again, because this is such an important message and I cannot even trust myself the best I know how, I surrender myself to you and ask that you help me in this message, that you do your own work through your precious word and that you be a help to these good folks here as they look towards you. And in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we come to King Ahaz, we could see that world events are progressing on. That we could see that there is a mighty empire called Assyria that is casting a shadow upon the land. And this is very important. That we know that Uzziah, the grandfather of Ahaz, had put together a coalition to stand against this evil empire. If you know anything about ancient history, you would understand that the... Assyrians are considered the Nazis of the ancient world. That the same thing the Nazis did in the 1940s were the same thing the Assyrians did back in the ancient world. They displaced people. They killed people. They were so evil that they would do certain things like this. They would throw babies up in the air and allow the archers to have target practice. The Nazis did the same thing. We know that the Assyrians were so evil that they would often fillet people alive. That means to actually peel off their skin. And then they would take the skin of the people and they would plaster it on the sides of the walls just to show how bad they really were. Of course, the Nazis did the same thing that if they saw a Jewish person with a tattoo that they would like, they would actually take the skin and tan it and they would use the skins of the people as lampshades and do such of the sort. And we could go on and on by doing a comparison, but needless to say that the study of history shows that the Assyrians were the Nazis of the ancient world and they were evil. And we could see that King Uzziah Ahaz's grandfather stood up and put a coalition together. We could see Jotham, Ahaz's father, stood up against them and both Ahaz, or, uh, Uzziah and Uzziah and um, Jotham, both of them looked towards God and they depended upon God and God blessed both of those kings because of their seeking after God. But then came King Ahaz. King Ahaz thought he had a better plan. 
I don't want to seek after God. That's not what I want. I want my own plans. I want my own actions. And we could see the entire reign that he had was looking for a different answer than God of heaven. He looked to other gods. He looked for other solutions. He looked to other people. He looked for everything else. But all that he found when it was all said and done, they helped him not. You understand that when you start looking for your answers and somewhere else other than God, you are going to be sorely disappointed because at the end you're going to find out they helped him not. I think it was President Ronald Reagan said that the biggest lie you could ever hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You understand those who put their trust in the government, you're going to find out eventually they helped him not. When you put your faith in another cause, in another deity, you put it in another rally point, you put it in this, you put it in another person, an institution. When it's all said and done, you are going to find out they helped him not. And in this, we could see over and over, no matter what Ahaz tried, everything he did, they helped him not. Let's study and see some of the things that he put his faith and trust in, and it helped him not. The first thing I want to show you is that burning his son for a false god helped him not. Now, with this, as we start getting into the history of things, we understand that some of this is not pleasant to hear. I'm going to do my best to give a description to let you know how bad it is without getting too bad of detail. But we have to understand how bad things really got. Now Ahaz himself looked at the other nations and said, you know what? I want to be like them. They look like they're happy. I understand that my dad, my grandfather, they both serve God and God bless them. But you know, maybe if I do things my own way, I'll get blessed. Maybe I can look for something else. Now, with this came a practical problem. Jerusalem is built on top of a hill. And remember, they don't have such things as waste management. After a while, you have to do something with trash. That's a practical logistical thing of any city. What do you do with the waste? What do you do with the trash? Well, the response to the city of Jerusalem was that they were going to dump all of their trash to the southern valley called the Valley of Hinnom. Now, this worked for a while, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. But after a while, that trash doesn't go away. It begins to stack up. So someone got the bright idea well, why don't we set fire to it and just burn it? And so they set fire to this trash heap. And it became known as a, a place where the fire never dies. It never goes out. And the worm dieth not. It's a place where the trash was always burning. Because a city like Jerusalem was still throwing in trash. And so it was constantly burning. Constantly always going. And so here Ahaz says, you know, I heard of a thing. Of... Serving a God called Moloch. And now I have the ability. And so what they did. Now again this is going to be disturbing. But this is what he did. He took a big graven image. Of a horrible looking God. 
Then they put a slide that would go into the, to the horrible looking God's mouth. And on the other side of the slide was that burning trash heap. And in order to serve Moloch, to prove that you are sincere, you would take your newborn baby. And you would take the newborn baby and you would put him on this slide and roll the baby down into the open mouth of this ugly visage of a god. And the baby would roll into the trash heap and be burned alive. And Ahaz had the great idea that if he did this, he would get the favor of Moloch and Moloch would help him and bless him. And this is going to become an outrageous sin that people after him are going to reproduce. Now, the heathen of the land has already been doing this. But this is the first instance of someone who is God's people participating in such an act. Notice with me in verse number 1. 2 uh, Chronicles 28 and verse 1. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the king of Israel. And made molten images for Balaam. So he's starting to make false gods. Verse number 3. Moreover... He burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burnt his children in the fire. After the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Now this is a major thing. Notice when it says children, that's in the plural, not the singular case. He burnt several of his kids. Could you imagine such a parent who says, I don't like the results of this. I'm going to sacrifice my child for a, for a God, hoping that the God would reward me in its sense. This is horrible. This is awful. And he did it multiple times. I'd hate to be his child, wouldn't you? Notice what God says about this. He called it an abomination. After all, can you think about this? Who in their right mind could say that this is right to do? To sacrifice your children for a false god. To allow your children to die so that you can have pleasure and get rid of consequences and you can have your way. And let me tell you, no matter what he tried to do, let me tell you that false god, he could help him not. In fact, it made it worse that God of heaven was not happy. Burning a son to a false god, it didn't help him. It made things worse. It made things worse. Not only that, but we see something else. Ignoring God's message helped him not. Ignoring God's message helped him not. Now as we fast forward, look with me in verse number 16. And at the time did King Ahaz send to the kings of Assyria to help him. So Ahaz says, you know what? I'm going to go with the Assyrian Empire. I know that my dad and my grandfather fought against the Assyrian Empire. I'm going to join the enemy. I'm going to let them be my help now. I'm going to befriend them. Now the surrounding nations knew that such uh, 
that Ahaz switching sides was putting all of the other nations in a vulnerable position. The only way that they've been able to withstand before is having a united front against this evil empire. Well, Ahaz switched sides. All of the other nations say, we don't need someone on our southern border while these people are coming from the east. This is not good. Well, they couldn't do anything about the Assyrians, but they could do something about Judah. And so what happened is that this coalition began to fight against Judah. The Assyrians, the Samaritans, these other people began to come. And so he was preparing to send for help. Hey, Assyria, I'm on your side. Can you help me? Now, before he could send this message, the prophet Isaiah pulled him aside and tried to give him a warning about seeking after people other than God. Hold your finger here and turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter number 7. And let's see this as the prophet Isaiah tries to talk with this young man and begin to get a hold of him to tell him that this is not going to work. The book of Isaiah... Isaiah in chapter number 7. Now again, if you know anything about Bible history, you know that Isaiah is referred to as a major prophet. And by the way, Isaiah had, was a prophet who worked with many, many kings. He worked with Uzziah in the year that King Uzziah died. He worked with King Jotham, and we talked a little bit about that here. He worked with King Ahaz. Then he's going to work with his son, King Hezekiah. That's four different kings that Isaiah is ministering to and working with. That he had the response of King Uzziah, the response in the ear of King Jotham. With everything that King Ahaz knew, he knew who Isaiah was. He knew about the man of God. He knew about his prophecies. And when the man of God comes up, you would almost think that maybe I should listen to him because he speaks God's word. Let's see what happens, Isaiah chapter number 7. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 1. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramah, king of Israel, went up towards Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told of the house of David, saying, Samaria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved, and the heart of his people, as the trees of the wood, are moved with the wind. Then saith the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and Sherejareth thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. And say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Fear not. Neither be thou fainted hearted for the two tails of these smoke and firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and the son of Ramah. Behold, Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tubal. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, 
neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. And within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, and it shall not be a people. By the way, what he is speaking about there is how the Assyrians are going to destroy the northern kingdom of Samaria in 722 BC. And he's given a time frame. Hey, these people aren't going to be a people that much longer. They're going to be wiped out. Verse number 9, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Rama, uh, Rama's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall, be, ye shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, so this is a second message. The first message is that, hey, I want you to trust in God. Don't trust in these other people. Trust in God. Then a second message goes to Ahaz, verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spake again to Ahaz, saying, Ask of thee a sign to the Lord thy God. Ask it either in depth or in height above. Now pause. God really wants to get Ahaz's attention. Can you imagine God reaching out and saying, Listen, you give a prayer request. You can ask the impossible right now. Blank check. You ask it, I want to prove that I am a true God, a God who hears and answers prayer. What would you like? What does it take to prove to you that I'm the real God who hears and answers prayer? Can you imagine what would you do with a blank check? Would you do something with it? If God said, here, I'll give you anything you want. Just tell me. I want to prove. But you know what Ahaz did? Ahaz, who by the way didn't like God and wanted to have his own way and his own gods, wanted to take the pious answer. He wanted to look super spiritual. So verse number 12, but Ahaz says, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. Now God says, you just ask for it, I'll give you a blank check. Ask for the impossible. Prove me now. And Ahaz says, no, no, I won't tempt the Lord. I'm not going to ask him. I'm not going to put him out. No, 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 I'm not going to give him any prayer requests. No, 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 I don't need one. Well, he did need one because he didn't trust God. He just didn't want to have anything to do with God. Verse number 13. And he said, Isaiah and God, hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? That's a big request. Big thing here. He says, listen, you've been wearying men. You're making them tired of you. People don't like you. But now you want to weary God by your attitude. Oh no, I don't need anything from God. I don't need God. I'm big enough. I, I don't need God at all. Let me tell you, you need God. You may think that you could survive on your own, but you cannot. And you're going to find out that no matter what you trust in, if it's anything outside of God, they'll help you not. Well, God still wanted to prove to Ahaz that God is the true God and a God who hears and answers prayer and a God who could do the impossible. Notice with me in verse number 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He says, Ahaz, let me tell you, my God can do the impossible. So I'm going to give you an impossible prayer. That God is going to allow a virgin. Now a virgin literally means a maiden who has not uh, 
been involved in activity. We know that some people try to use a one-word synonym. So if you use a one-word synonym, of course you're going to get the word maiden. But here it carries the idea that she has not been in any type of activity yet. She is pure of body. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God is with us. By the way, the complete fulfillment of this prophecy is when Jesus Christ was born. And he was born of a virgin. A supernatural, miraculous birth. By the way, God is trying to say, listen, I'm the God who can do the impossible. Let me tell you what I'm going to do 700 years from now. A child is going to be born from a virgin mother. Now, aren't you glad that God can do the impossible? He can do the impossible. What he's trying to do is get a hold of Ahaz and say, listen, I want to show you this. By the way, there is a small incomplete fulfillment that Isaiah, his current wife has died. He is going to marry a wife who has not known man. And before the years up or the time of life, she's going to have a son in Ahaz's time just to prove to Ahaz that God had a fulfillment. Uh, now that's a partial fulfillment, not a complete fulfillment. And later on, by the way, his name is found in chapter eight, uh, chapter eight, verse number three. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived to bear a son. And the Lord said unto me, "Call his name Maharshala Hashabiz." How would you like to have that name? Put that in his birth certificate. Good. By the way, that name has meaning, but I'm trying to say it did fulfill during Ahaz's time. So he's trying to say, look, God's able to hear and answer prayers, able to do the impossible. You're stupid for not taking the blank check. God wanted to prove to you that he could do the impossible. No, no, I don't need God to answer prayers. I, I'm fine on my own. I'm good. No, 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 I'll take care of it. I don't need anything from God. Which is the stupidest thing he could have ever said. Especially when God said, I'm here to answer your prayers. No, I don't need God. You see, the problem was is that he didn't need answers. He did need answers. He just didn't want to look to God for them. He wanted some other source so he didn't have to obey what God had to say in his life. If God proved himself to be real, then he couldn't deny it. Then he would have a hard time disobeying that God. So, no, 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 I don't need any prayer requests. I'm fine. You ever run into someone like that? Can I pray for you? No, no, I don't need your prayers. I'm good on my own. Just a couple of minutes ago, they were explaining how horrible their life is and how it's falling apart. Some people are that away. They want someone else to answer their prayers other than God himself. And here God sends a prophet to say, listen, God's here to answer your prayers. Trust in him. Don't go to the king of Syria. This is before he sent the letter. Don't send that letter. Don't trust him. He's going to help you not. Trust God. He can help you. Trust God. Trust God. I don't need God's help. I'm fine. And all he found out is that Ignoring God's message helped him not. Well, turn back with me to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 28. And let's find out some more about what happened. Well, we know that he indeed did deed send this letter. And verse number uh, 5 and 8, uh, it talks about these people gathering together. And he sends that letter, verse number 16. 
and what happened is because he's asking Assyria for help, it caused the nations of Syria and Samaria to join together to try to conquer him. And he's like, please help me, help me. And all that did, because he ignored God's message, verse number 19, for God brought Judah low. Why? Because Ahaz, king of Israel, for he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. Here is a king who's trying to find some other way to get his prayers answered other than the God of the Bible. I'll burn my kids. They'll give me an answer. And it helped him not. I'm looking to Baal. It helped him not. I'm looking for some other source. And the preacher's saying, listen, I have the answer. Look to God. No, 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 you don't count. I don't like you. I don't want your God. He went to somewhere else other than the one that could help him. And he helped him not. Finally, he gets his letter to Assyria. He put his trust and support in, Samir, in Assyria. And he helped him not. Now remember, Assyria is the, the, ancient, the Nazis of the ancient world. Up to this time, there was a coalition of these smaller nations led by Judah to stand against Assyria. Well, when the king of Judah switches sides, the coalition's ready to fall apart. They're vulnerable. And so Ahaz is planning, hey, I'm joining the winning side. It looks like the Assyrians are going to win. I'm going to join them. They're going to help me. They're going to reward me because I switch sides. Well, notice with me in verse number 20. In Tiglath-Pileser, if you ever need another name to name your kid, there's a good one. Tiglath-Pileser. King of Assyria came to him and distressed him, but strengthened him not. You know what happened? Tiglath-Pileser started marching down, came to Jerusalem and says, Hey, you asked for my help? Yeah, yeah. Good. Give me all your stuff. I'm robbing you. What? But yeah. Instead of helping him, he distressed him. Verse 21. For Ahaz took away a portion out of the house of the Lord and out of the house of the king and the princes and gave it to the king of Assyria, but he helped him not. The king of Assyria came and said, listen, you want my help? It's going to cost you. What's it going to cost you? Give me, give me half of everything. So they gave him half of everything and, Ahaz, and Tiglath-Pileser said, thank you for serving me. See you later. Bye. And took off. And he didn't help him. That was the whole purpose of sending the letter. Help me against these other guys who are trying to kill me. No, give me everything you have. Now he's worse off than before. Because the people he was standing up against didn't help him. And these other nations saw that. They know he's not getting any help. They know that no one's coming for him. And they know he's weaker because of it. And the other nations pounced. And began to take everything else from him. All that trust in the Assyrians. All that fighting against his neighbors that he didn't have to. All that fighting against the preacher. All saying, I've got help coming. He helped him not. But instead, he distressed him. And strengthened him not. When you put your trust in something other than the God of the Bible... You're going to find out you're going to be disappointed. And the end result is he helped him not. So the Samaritans came. So Syria came. And they took his stuff. And they took his people. And they kidnapped the people. And they took more stuff. And so you know what Ahaz did? Ahaz says, you know what? The gods of Syria, they're strong. They helped him. I had this great idea. I'm going to serve the gods of Syria 
who just conquered me. Who just beat me up. Their God must be strong. I could trust in him. Maybe that will help. Notice with me verse 22. And at the time of his distress, did he trespass yet more against the Lord? That is that King Ahaz. Pause here. What we see is a principle that is true in life. That when someone finds that their help fails not, they have two responses. To turn to God and admit they were wrong in the first place. To say, God, I was wrong. I need your help. Would you help me? But pride prevents them from doing that. So you know what they do? They double down on their disobedience. They figure that if I put more force, if I put more feeling, more passion, if I try harder, I'll make it work. And it doesn't work that way. I've watched parents who instead of raising their kids God's way, say, I got a better way. And when the kids don't start turning out the way that they want, they could turn to God or they could double down. And they double down and it makes it worse. People are having financial problems. Preacher, I'm having problems with finances. I'll be glad to help you. Here's what the Bible has to say about finances. I don't like that. That doesn't sound like what I want. And so their finances get worse. Then they have a choice to admit I was wrong and to do things God's way or double down and try to make it work. And when they find out their plan, it helped them not. Over and over you watch this happen and you could almost see in their mind when you could start seeing, I'm going to double down. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make a stand. I'm not turning to God. I can't do that now. And all that doubling down makes it worse. And it helps them not. That's what Ahaz did here. He tried to trust in the king of Assyria. And he helped him not. He made things worse. So in his distress, instead of turning to God, which was still an option, Isaiah is still alive. He says, nope, nope. I'm just going to go find another God. I know that the God of Israel offered to help me. But nah, I can't trust him. I can't go back to him. I can't admit that I was wrong. I'm going to go try the king of, or the gods of Syria. And I'm going to trust them. Verse number 23. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, because the gods of the king of Syria helped them, therefore I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. So do you expect the next line that they helped him? Here's the next line. But they were the ruin of him and all of Israel. His doubling down ruined him. They helped him not. It ruined him and it ruined the nation he ruled. They helped him not. You said, preacher, what are you trying to get across? Well, let's make it plain and simple. You could trust in God. Let me tell you, the Bible says, all those that wait on God shall not be ashamed. There was not a person who says, I regret waiting on God. God, I trusted in Him and I depended upon Him. I did what He said. And God just failed. There's no such thing. When you trust in God, God will come through. He made a promise. He is a real God. He's the God of impossible. He could do it. You could trust in Him. The problem is, is that we often put our trust in something else. 
The Bible speaks about in the book of Habakkuk, it says that the soul that is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You understand? In that verse, we understand what the opposite of faith is. Some people think that the opposite of faith is disbelief. It's not. The opposite of faith is pride. The soul that is upright in him, or the soul that is lifted up is not upright in him. What is that? That's pride. You see, you're either trusting in God or you're trusting in something else. You either live your life by force or you live your life by faith. You live your life trying to force things and make things and trying to manipulate it to work. Or you could depend on God. Some people are like this. You remember this old-fashioned toy here? You know, you can learn a lot of good skills from those type of toys. Do you know that you could take a circle and you could fit it into a square hole? Now, it doesn't fit naturally, but with enough force and enough pressure, you could make it happen. Well, people love to live their life that way. If I can manipulate, if I could force it, if I could conjure, if I could do something, if I can do this, I can make, I can make it work. And they put a lot of effort and a lot of pressure and it helps them not. Or you could live your life trusting in God, saying, God, you do, I'm asking you to help. You just tell me what to do and I'll be obedient, but you do your work. You tell me what to do. I'll trust in you. Lord, help me. And let me tell you, those that wait upon the Lord shall, never be, shall not be ashamed, the Bible says. You see, the Bible gives this principle here. Let's turn there. The book of James. Towards the last part of the Bible. The last book is the book of Revelation. Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter. And if you don't mind, turn with me to the book of James, which is right before 1 Peter. The book of James. Good. Now the Bible talks about this principle here. Turn with me, if you don't mind, in the book of James chapter number 4. James chapter 4, and notice with me in verse number 6. I want you to see this for yourself. See this principle here. But he, God, giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and... Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Notice if you don't mind in verse number uh, 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud. Let's say that I had some person up here that was... uh, Zeb, come up here. (laughs) Let me illustrate this. So, let's say that Mr. Zeb's trying to go this way. <laughs> and so, what he does is he's forcing his way to go. Now, the more that he for Come on, I thought you were strong now. Now, as he's um, pushing, I have to give resistance to keep him in that one place. I am resisting him. So, the more that he presses, the more that he tries to do it himself, the more that he manipulates, the more resistance he gets 
the more that it does not work. The more that, are you getting tired? The more that it doesn't help. But notice what God says. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. That is the humble humbles himself and say, God, I can't do it myself. It's almost like God goes behind him and walks with them and pushes them. And now there's no resistance. In fact, they're getting help to go where they're supposed to go. Thank you. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. You either live your life by force or you live your life by faith. You live your life trusting in God or you live your life trusting in something else. That's as simple as it gets. What are you putting your trust in? When you find yourself being resisted, is it possible that you're trusting in yourself or something else? You're depending on something else. You're looking for something else to answer. God resisteth the proud. And the more that you double down and the more that you try, the more resistance you get. But God giveth grace to the humble. He's willing to help you. He's willing to help you. Help you supernaturally as needed in your times of need. In the times you don't need. In the times that you need God to work. He's able to help. But you have to trust in him. Depend upon him. Faith in him. Look to him. Watch him. Wait on him. He is willing to help. God giveth grace to the humble. But we see for Ahaz that God resisted the proud. And everything that Ahaz did, refusing to trust in God who offered himself to him, we find that every source that he went to, he helped him not. What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? Let me tell you that you could trust in God and Jesus Christ who died for you. Or you could say, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to make myself. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to live a great life. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Let me tell you, you can't do it yourself. You have to trust in God. Maybe you have a situation that finances. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's physical health. And you say, God, I need your help. God will help you. But the more that you double down, the more that you try to do it yourself, the more that you try to come up with the answers yourself, you try to seek for other solutions other than God, you're going to find out at the very end, they helped you not. You understand the, Christ, the Christian life is the simple life because we're letting God do all the work. We don't have to go through the stress of trying to manipulate, trying to fight, trying to force it to happen. Which is the life that you want to have? A life of force or the life of faith? God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Ahaz, everything he tried, he helped him not. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.